This is episode 253 of Nerds Ideal. I'm Jordan. Who, who, who are you? I'm Andrew. Oh, okay, cool. All right. I know you don't recognize me. Well, I've been gone a long time. Um, my parents picked me up at the airport and I was like, who are these people? But they gave me hugs and it all came rushing back. Um, but this is, this is I, I'm back for a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is not going to be our normal thing. Uh, we're not reviewing uh, one movie. But uh, not two movies, but three movies. And what are those movies? Uh, first up, our review of Sicario. Oh, jeez. Uh, which I don't think is in theaters anymore, but no. it should be soon to um, DVD. So we'll, you know. Yeah, we can definitely tell you whether or not. And I think you'll get a good idea from that review whether or not you're going to want to rent it or pick it up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, changing pace a little, Beasts of Donation. Which is that Netflix one, It's right? on Netflix. You yeah, can so just watch that if you have Netflix. Whenever you want. It's a but, Netflix original. Uh, you need to prepare yourself. Yeah, we will attempt to tell you how to prepare yourself in our review there. Yeah. And then uh, third, Creed. Creed, yeah, yeah, which came out um, not too long ago, uh, yeah. but we, you know, we wanted to get that in there. And uh, as always with these kind of bonus uh, review episodes, uh, all of our review content here will uh, possibly have spoilers. Oh, we're going to get right into it. Yeah. So, uh, but we'll give you a good idea of everything. What you know, what we liked about the film, what we didn't, of course, all that stuff. But we we will most definitely get into various kinds of spoilers. Nice, nice. And here we go. State Department is pulling an agent that specializes in responding to escalating cartel activity. This is not my department. FBI! You want to be a part of this? Do we get an opportunity of the men responsible for today? The men who are really responsible for today. And to what is before? We're going to El Paso, right? You're not American. What do you work for now? Well, I go where I'm sent. Every day across that border, people are killed with his blessing. To find them would be like discovering a vaccine. Nothing will make sense to your American ears. But in the end, you will understand. Spotter vehicle, left lane. Spotter vehicle, 9 o'clock. Hit weapon out. I'm not a soldier. This is not what I do. What is this what happens when they dig in? This is it. Gotta be careful around these people. CIA is not supposed to work this side of the fence. We will not survive here. You use me as bait. Freeze! You saw things you shouldn't have seen. He works for the composition. Providing a measure of order that we could control. I'm gonna tell everyone what you did. We are now going to review a film called Sicario. Sicario. 
which came out in America on September 17th, 2015. Right, right. And um, you might also remember, Sicario, if you've been watching uh, Narcos on Netflix, which came out around the same time. Huh. Sicario's like a thing because it's about everything that's happening in Colombia mm-hmm. with, uh, with the drug trade yeah. and well, Pablo Escobar. That's Narcos. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and Sicarios are like a big deal. In yeah, that it's show. a person. It's yeah. like a title. Yep. They explained that at the beginning of this film. Right. Uh, which was directed by, uh, uh, I'm going to say it, Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Uh, but I think it's it's a little French. I think it's Denis. Denis? Villeneuve or something like that. Hmm, if we had Benson here, he could French it up. For us. Uh, but it was written by Taylor Sheridan, starring Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, Benicio Del Toro, Victor Garber. Uh, according to Flickster, the app Flickster... You heard of this app? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes I go into like a late night talk show bit where I turn to someone and say, have you heard of that thing? Hey, you heard of that thing? Because I, I kind of hate when they do that, but I think it's funny, so I'll do it. Because there's literally no other way to bring something Ex- like that exactly. up in that context. Uh-huh. Uh, so you've heard of this app? It's called Flickster. Yeah, I've heard about it a long time ago. Uh, I'm using it to look at movie times now, now that the Fandango app is shitty. Yeah, it's super dumb. Yeah. What happened to it? They changed it to make it worse. It's super the, dumb. Now on the new app, I have my list of favorited theaters, and they list it from furthest to closest. So I have to scroll all the way to the bottom of my list That's to even get ridiculous the ones that are near me. Like it doesn't make any sense at all. That sucks. Uh, and they just uh, the so I'm using Flickster, the recommended by the aforementioned Matt Benson. Uh, and according to Flickster, in Sicario, the two leads are Emily Blunt and John Bernthal. Really? Yeah, I know. And what Flickster? Cra- I'm gonna tell you. Here's here's the crazy thing. Here's the way that my mind works, though. I saw that John Bernthal was in it, and I said, I have to see this film, right? Because he is my favorite part of every film that is coming out nowadays. We're gonna end up having to do a series of John Bernthal side side character appearances. We're gonna have to make a John Bernthology. Yeah, exactly. Just came up with that. It's really good. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ben, uh, uh, I was recently with Benson, and he he dared me to name four films that John Bernthal is in besides uh, Sicario or besides something, and I did it because yeah. I'm like, yes, I love this actor. He he is comes so up good. and he's great whenever he's in a movie. Yeah, he's he's great. So, but he's definitely not. It's like it's so weird that Flickster was like, yeah, put him second. He's not. He's in, a minor he's, character. He's in the movie for 10, 15 10, minutes. Ten fifteen minutes at most. I mean, he's kind of important, but he's not like. He's not that important. important. Yeah. No. So it's crazy to me. Flickster, get your shit together. Uh, <laughs> but literally, this has been that, reviewing Flickster. I, uh, excuse me. I wanted to see Sicario, and then I heard John Bernthal was in it. And I said, now I have to. Yeah. This is a necessity. It became it became a want into a need. Yeah. And I made time that day to go see it. Nice. That is not a joke. That is awesome. Um, I mean, that's all it takes, right? For like, if if you're on the fence about a movie and you hear like one thing that is like, oh. Yes. Yeah. Like, and even actors in it's it. It's literally the thing that tips you or off. You read the a fence. review that's like, oh, that I like the sound of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's this is this is why movies are great. Uh, you may remember director uh, uh, the director of this film also directed uh, a film that we enjoyed and I think we reviewed on the show. Uh, you can check that a film yep. called Prisoners. Wow. Uh, starring uh, Hugh Jackman mm-hmm. and uh, and um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. And uh, we reviewed it in 2013. It was episode 161. Yeah. And yeah, man. Yeah, that was Prisoners. Something else. Uh, he also did the film with Jake Gyllenhaal called Enemy. Which I have not seen yet. You keep telling me I need to. Uh, it's a trip. 
he did this film called In- Incendius, which I've heard of now, and now I need to see it because this guy's a good director. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we should note, uh, I mean, we'll probably note it in some other way, but uh, as this is some kind of a, a special review, uh, we will touch upon spoilers a bit. Yes. We won't go crazy in depth, but, but we'll give a, a very... A thorough review. We're basically going to review it and we're not going to shy away from the spoilers. We're just going to yeah. go straight into it. If we need to talk about spoilers, we will. But yeah. I think I think we can we can talk about a lot of this film. Right. And really convince you to go see it. Because I think both of us liked it. Oh, very much so. I, it's a dark film, though. Super dark. It's. Uh, um, well, I described it earlier as uh, you're going to walk out of the movie theater like going, wow, that was like a really great film, but you might not want to watch it again. Yeah, you might feel just bad. Yeah. But not in like a way where you're like, oh, that was shitty. It's like bad in a way like, oh, wow, like the the world is dark. Yeah. And <laughs> the, you feel the director's hand of like, no, this is the way the world is kind of. Yeah. And it's 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 it puts you in a state of shock of like, wow, like I've been shown something I maybe didn't want to see, but I should see. Yeah. Something that's important, but also terrifying. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, part part of what is interesting with the the way that this film is kind of set up and build in trailers and in you know people trying to get you to watch it it's kind of like oh she's part of a task force or she's she has to team up with Benicio del Toro mm-hmm. and but also it's kind of there's an edge of like she doesn't know who to trust right but the way that when you actually sit down and watch it it's kind of really different it's super it's, different she she volunteers for this task force not quite knowing what it is and then not quite finding out until it's happening around her yeah and she comes from a world of of following the law, right? Following the evidence. She's a by the book. Justice. Oh, is she FBI? I think she's FBI, but it's specific, specifically she's part of a kidnapping rescue squad, right? Um, where she has like SWAT training, but also negotiation training, mm-hmm. and it's it's something where she she knows how to do that job very well, and she's pulled into a world of drugs, yeah, and she doesn't know that world at all. Yeah, but she knows she knows that her job is like heavily connected to it. Yes, like the drug uh, trade is is connected to kidnapping and that kind yeah, of thing and smuggling, so, yeah. and that she has a lot of stuff going on with that. But she doesn't know the greater outside of that yeah. how how it's all connected, mm-hmm. and she doesn't know like what the American government is willing to do to stop it. Stop it, right? Uh, and so it's it's kind of interesting to see her journey because I think I think like as film goers were kind of used to there's an action film trope mm-hmm. of when an when an action hero has to do something it's like mm-hmm. that's the right thing to do right and this film which is, comes from the 80s which yeah. is a very like gung-ho mm-hmm. hoopa do whatever you, know. you have to do to beat the bad guy yeah and, and this we're, film, we're better than them in this film it's it's kind of that but it's also like also that's bad yeah, it's. Like, I mean, it shows the dark side of that kind of aspect. I mean, it, it plays heavily into the the whole idea of like, um, I don't know, I can't remember if they say it in the film or not, but like, when you when you fight monsters long enough, mm. like, how do you stop yourself be, from becoming a monster? I'm gonna tell you where you got that from. Where? Uh, and I do love that line. Uh-huh. It's in the trailer for Our Brand is Crisis. Oh, Billy Bob yeah. Thornton says to Sandra Bullock, "No, that you is think where I got it from." Us. But if you fight monsters long enough, you become a monster. Yeah. And I love that line. That's a really good but line. But I'm like, did I really, is this movie really throwing that line out there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's crazy that that's where I got that from. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's true. Like, um, in in other media and other, in other shows and stuff like that, and, and also in the real world, we hear about like 
uh, a certain government leader in a country is secretly backed by the U.S. and they somehow in the background depose the current government to put someone to a seat of power. And by the end of the film, we realize this is what this is. Well, and also, uh, like, not even quite that, but it's just kind of like, oh, the this drug leader was killed by by someone. We don't know who did it. And mm-hmm. this film is like, sometimes it's the it's the government. Sometimes yeah. it's the U.S. government. Yep. And yeah. where we're like subtly pushing along the actions of certain people that we feel like we can control. Yeah. And other people that we want to not control other people yep. that we want to get rid of and they mm-hmm. need to just give us a reason. Yep. And it, that's, that's crazy. It's like, like, like it's really nuts in this movie. Yeah. Because it, it, it kind of goes into the fact of like, no drugs are a thing. Mm. The government cannot stop it. So our best case scenario is we find the worst guy that we have a connection with and we, we help him get into power. Mm. And Emily Blunt through this whole thing, like, her character, and I've seen a lot of people talking about this film of like the way it puts down women and stuff like that. But I feel like mm. I feel like she is innocence. She is like the embodiment of of the American feeling of we are going to do what's right. We're going to do it by the book. Um, we're not going to do anything illegal. We need to stand true to what we believe in and always do that. And she's kind of drugged, like dragged, <laughs> drugged, dragged down into this world yeah. where. People are willing to do anything. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, can we talk about... There's a visual moment mm-hmm. when they're going to the... Uh, there's a whole plot about a secret tunnel. Yeah. And they're going there at night, and there's just a shot of the sky and the skyline, and everyone's... The troops are going, and they're, they're going it's down a It's a literal hill. descent they're into literally, darkness. Oh, God. I just, and I'm getting chills right Because it's so good this like, to watch that and just go... Whole, is symbolism just uh, visually it's, it's symbolizing amazing. yeah and and this whole film screams like they set up with their cameras all day every day and waited for the perfect sunsets <laughs> and the perfect skies because this yeah. this film is gorgeous yeah, yeah. like amazing hmm. amazing visuals but at the same time you see beautiful skies but this film does not shy away from violent imagery like it, just, and gro- it like starts off violence. with like, gross violence yeah. and then and then that that scene in Juarez, like we yeah. see some horrible stuff that, from what I understand, like mere stuff that really happens. Yes, yeah. And that's just wow. Like it 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 makes like in any other film we would have it would be in the background, mm-hmm. or it would be something that we'd see for a second, or and then the camera would cut away, or, or mention like, yeah. a picture on this, the table, yeah. and like a character would look at it and then look away. Mm-hmm. Like in this in this movie. The camera settles on that type of imagery and well, in sits the first there. scene when they discover what they discover at that house, yeah, the camera's just right up in it. It sits in there, and it's like this is reality. This is how it is. This is it. Yeah, it's unflinching. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. This this movie, it's good, but it's like it hurts a little. It hurts. It's hard to watch. Like, yeah, I feel. It feels as if it's it's the type of movie that people need to see, but people aren't going to want to watch it. Oh, I wanted to talk about Emily Blunt as a character. Yes. Her character. Um, I feel like uh, she is unwavering. Mm-hmm. She sticks to what she believes in until, I'm going to say literally she can't. Yeah. Uh, until she is, which is, she is forced until she is not to. she put into a position where she... Has no choice. Has no choice. Which is, I think that's great. I love that she doesn't... She She's, doesn't... She is unwavering. Yeah. And... and the, to see her push against that is great. Like that's I and and uh, I was trying to figure out if like the purpose of her, a purpose of that character being female was that I th- I think it's just to heighten the fact that she's an outsider. 
right. in all the scenes where she's she's there with all the planning, she's the only woman. It, and it's the only place where I feel the director's choice mm. because by make by having this character be female and not male, mm. everything that she goes through is heightened. Mm. We feel more emotionally attached. At least empathetic people in general, if you see a man in that situation, you see a woman in that situation, like there's those studies you see on the street where they'll they'll uh, do videotape of like a man hitting a woman in the street and a bunch of people will stop him. Mm. But if you see a woman hitting a man in the street, people will laugh and just walk by. Mm. Like there that that tells you like that we as people are kind of programmed in a way to be more nurturing towards women. Yeah, mm. uh, whether that's you know society or or nature versus nurture or whatever it, it is that way like and that and you feel the director's choice of we're gonna have a female character here because every situation she's in we're gonna feel more for her yeah and and i don't feel like that's a na- i feel like that's a choice mm. and to to look at that and be upset about it i feel it, it feels like the person's not getting the point mm-hmm. do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like they chose that on purpose. Yeah. It's not it's not to bring down women. It's to make sure that you have an emotional reaction to her journey. Mm-hmm. And And I think the 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 other thing like she's not um I'm just going to say it. she's not romantically involved with her partner. Yeah, and she's not helpless. And she's not helpless either. In like any she, situation she's she, not helpless. I mean there are some situations where she gets help, but it's not like she doesn't know what to do. She is a trained, you know, she's trained to take care of situations. Yep. And so she is useful in them. Mm-hmm. She kills like three people in the first hour or 30 minutes of this film. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh shit. Like she can do things like she's not, you know, useless. Uh, It's, it's really interesting. And it's, it's kind of crazy because also in that, um, that like second opening scene with that meeting, that long awkward meeting or whatever that was like, they definitely, um, the task force guy is into her because she's competent, like Mm -hmm. not into the other guy because he's too green. Yeah. And And because he's a lawyer. Yeah. It brings up that he was a lawyer. No, I'm talking about the her partner. Yeah, the African American guy. Oh, he was a lawyer. Oh, that's he's right. He's the he lawyer. Was a lawyer, you're right. That's they why. That once. That's he why was in the they, army as a yeah. And then when when he comes up and is asking questions, Josh Brolin actually goes fucking lawyers. Yeah. Like oh my god, I it's that. Yeah, it's because good. it's because they know that he's that's his background. Yeah, that's that, the reason why they choose her. Benicio del Toro is a lawyer as well, but yeah. he has different reasons for everything that he does. Yeah. I I kind of like that. Um, it's it's you don't trust him necessarily, mm-hmm. but you you see that he's working with the team, and then once and that and that he's not up to, up to a certain point in the movie, he is he never seems like he has his own agenda. Mm-hmm. But you can tell there's something going. There's on something there. going on with him, and I would argue even um, just I mean kind of based on the way that this movie goes and the title of it, it's his movie. Yeah, uh, it's one hundred percent really his movie, and uh, we're just seeing it from her perspective. We come in with with Emily Blunt to see his story because she's the audience. Yeah. She is the Amer- she is literally the American audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And our and our viewpoint of the world and our our justice system and everything we see as right and wrong, she is that. And I mean, not to take it literally, uh but Statue of Liberty, female, and then mm-hmm. the blind justice holding the scales, like mm-hmm. this is not a new concept. Yeah. Yeah. Of of justice being uh, a female perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what do you? There's only one part of the movie that I had a little bit of a problem with. Uh, how do you feel about seeing the life of the Mexican cop? Yeah, um, because it comes out of nowhere. I think 
I think that works well in how it's used in the ending. Yes. Because I think exactly. that really puts the button on it. Where it's you the just only go, reason oh. the ending makes sense. Like you go, oh, wow. Like it's not, it's not even a thing of like, um, if it didn't have that, then it wouldn't be good. Mm-hmm. But it just, it kind of really reminds you of like, yeah, this all happened. But also, like life goes on. This is still happening. Like this and whole this journey. Is, but this it, is the norm for people. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it smacks you in the because I face with that when they started introducing that that guy. I was like, oh, I'm worried. I'm worried about this guy. Yeah. And if, you know, of course, what happens happens. But uh, in that ending scene, you're like, oh wow! Like we're seeing we're seeing everything come together in a sense of you know the world. It didn't change that much. No. Maybe not even at all. Uh, even even after all the events that they've gone through, because it it shows a real disparity between like the world of, uh, I guess I would call it like the world of shadows, where all the decisions are being made and forces are moving different things into play and moving the pawns on the chessboard and stuff like that. But in the end, like everyone's world is not changed by what happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. It it changes for a few characters in big ways, mm-hmm. and. The power changes, but nothing ripples. Mm-hmm. You know, the world stays the same in its way, and it's just, this is the way it is. And you're right. Him, him, that whole family dynamic and, and how the ending is, like, that's just, that just kind of seals the deal for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. But I, I would, I would tell almost anybody, and I feel like, it's one of those rare occurrences where I, I tell people um, when, when talking about this film, and I would definitely say this to the listeners, if you haven't seen Prisoners, you should go see that first. Mm-hmm. Because it gives you an idea of not only how the director directs, but also in the subject matter that he chooses. Yeah, because even, uh, I mean, uh, I don't want to get too deep into Prisoners, but there's, there's a definite connection in the sense of like, the world has darkness. Mm-hmm. And not every person that you meet is going to, you know, that you're rooting for isn't also a part of that darkness. Yeah, that we all kind of have darkness in us mm. and the choices we make bring us further or closer to it. And that's that's how Emily Blunt's character, she stays out of the darkness the whole film. And her experience is going down in the darkness while not becoming a part of it. Mm. And Prisoners is a movie about falling into darkness and deciding that in order to get out of it, you have to become it, mm. you know? And and in that way, like I would tell people, go see that movie because how you feel coming out of Prisoners, it has a strangely more hopeful note yeah. than this film because it doesn't show it in the film, but there is a resolution mm-hmm. in that, whereas in this, there isn't. So, Well, in this, the resolution is just like, well, everything sucks. Everything sucks. <laughs> and like, like, Isn't the world frustrating? Yeah, like, you're, that's not the gonna, you're not going to come out of this movie feeling great about the world. Mm-hmm. But that's not the point. Yeah. You're not supposed to come out of this feeling happy about the world. Mm-hmm. This is this is making people the the goal of this film I feel is making people realize how the world really is. And it's not everything we're shown in the media, it's not everything that we're usually shown in movies. Mm-hmm. Um this is this is a work of fiction, but it's it's giving us a view of of real life. And that's that's something it's something special. You're not going to this isn't going to be like a, a monthly movie you watch like some no, people do with no, films no. that they love. But you're going to come out of the other side of this having learned something and having, I don't know, felt something. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. this this movie is resonant. Yeah. 
Well, I think that about wraps up our yep. review. Uh, we both highly recommend it. Please. At yeah. least once. And, and if you enjoy this or if you enjoyed Prisoners, check this out. Or definitely. Go, ch- go check out this guy's work. This, this guy's, guy's good. This guy, yeah, this is, he's now in the pantheon of, of actors and directors and writers of whenever I see their name on it, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. interested all the way. Mark this victory! Check it out. Aha! Go ahead and be me my charge. Agu! Agu! Agu, you are going to kill this man. Agu, these are the ones that killed your family. Eh? That killed your mother. Agu, go on. Agu! These are the ones, the dogs that killed your father. That is your family's blood. This is Nerd's Eye View, and we have a special episode for you. I'm Jordan. I'm Andrew. And we're doing a bonus review for the movie Beasts of No Nation. Yeah. And this is that, a, was, that was a Netflix movie, right? Yeah, this is Netflix Netflix's first original film. And it's, this came out in theaters as well? Uh, it had a very limited theater release, I believe, so that they could qualify for some awards. Nice. Um, but yeah, it was a day and date kind of situation where if you had Netflix, you could watch it from the comfort of your home. Or I guess if you didn't, you could go pay to see it in a theater. Uh, I don't think it broke any, you know, box office things, but uh, it was it's just kind of a bid to be a part of some uh, award stuff. Yeah, to qualify for, uh, to, let's say, an Oscar, uh, you need to have a certain run, a theater run. Uh, so it was, it was probably like in LA and New York in half a dozen theaters. That kind Makes of thing. Sense. But it was, it, it was, the interesting thing was it was shown on Netflix day and date. Yeah. For free if you're mm-hmm. a Netflix subscriber. Yep. Uh, and this is, um, this film's kind of heavy. Yeah. You know what? It took me a little while. We, we talked about doing this review a while back. Uh-huh. And uh, it took, it took a couple days after we said, let's watch it, that I was like, all right, I need to watch this movie. And I was like, no, you know what? I'm not in the mind frame. Um, I'm going to go play a video game. And uh, it, it took me a bit to sit down and watch this film mm-hmm. because I, I think I knew what I was getting into. Yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, in, in the most basic, basic sense, this film uh, is about uh, kind of uh, the, the kind of civil war kind of thing that's going on in, uh, in Africa uh, yes. where... Um, children become soldiers 
yeah. not really out of choice, but out of uh, a kind of a, a, they're forced. I mean, they're really forced into this life. Yeah. And, um, and under, under the guise of that's the only way they're going to survive. Yeah. Which and is it, true, it, but also, you know, yeah. manipulative. I, I think we should also mention, we probably mentioned, uh, you know, at the technical beginning of this episode, uh, but there will be spoilers. We're going to talk about everything. Right, right. Uh, listeners should know that anytime we do a bonus review, it's not going to have the normal structure of uh, a base level review and then a discussion at the end. Mm-hmm. We are just, we're jumping right in. Yeah, and I don't think it's it's as important for us to not have spoilers in this. I think it's, uh, some some reviews I think I'd say, oh, let's not say everything. But this one I'm like, yeah, we'll we'll say everything. We'll just, you know, because uh, it's a big part of the film is stuff that happens as it goes on. Yeah, and and it's hard to discuss pretty much anything in this film without stuff that happens later in it because it gives it a, a great deal of perspective. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think I could do a non-spoiler review of this. Yeah, now this um, this film is actually based on a book, uh, but not, you know, not a, a biography per se, but, a, a, a fic, you know, perhaps a fictionalized version of events that are actually happening or have happened. Mm-hmm. Um in Africa. But, um, you know, this is really, uh, this is a really, you know, hard story. There, there are, you know, some moments of levity, but only so that you don't, you know, (laughs) become so depressed that you're like, well, I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. They're kind of, it's, it's almost required that Uh there's some levity in the film because it is such a tragic, sad story, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, um, so this story follows um, a child named Ag- Agu, um, who it follows him as he goes through you know his family life, and then that turns into running away from the war, and then that turns into you know just running, and then mm-hmm. becoming enlisted in this this uh, child army, where he must serve uh, the what is that guy's name? Um, God, what is his his actual not the actor's name, but the Well, I'm done. Bye. <laughs> what can You're I remember? Done? Uh Commandant. That's what they call him. Yeah. Uh Idris Elba. Yeah, he just goes by. He takes Commandant. a good never, thirty never minutes really... to show up. Yeah. Because it's uh it's about this kid, but then once he runs into once he joins the child army, it's Commandant. Uh, who is you know kind of like a like a Coney figure? I don't know if that's yeah I didn't, a little bit. I didn't fully get into the what is Coney situation, but um, well, here, before we go any further about the commandant, huh. how do you feel about the first thirty minutes of this film? Because we kind of get a view into the life of someone who lives in a country that's in a civil war. Like yeah. he he lives in this in this village that is not that well off. The kids are playing in the street. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you know. There's debris everywhere. Well, they do the whole uh, um, the whole beginning scene is is the imaginary TV, yeah, which kind of shows it's a it's a great way of showing his character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it leads into the he knows that the soldiers will will buy whatever he's selling, and it's because they feel bad. They yeah, honestly feel bad for these kids. Aren't they like UN peacekeepers or something? I, I seem to remember that they're are they from the government? Yeah, these soldiers are not. Um, like they're not bad people. They're um, I can't remember if they're UN, but they're they're definitely they're on the side of what you could technically call good. Because mm-hmm. there's kind of like um, the way that the civil war is going is that there's there's the government, there's um, 
and then there's the faction that is against the government. And then there's a lot of bystanders. There's a lot of people in the middle who, you know, they support the government, but only in the sense that they live there and the government keeps the peace. So they were a part of the National Defense Forces, which is a branch of the Syrian uh, Armed Forces. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, no, you know, that's different. No, but I mean, you, you, but I'm trying to put it real basically. It's, yeah. it's where once we get to the end of this beginning segment and there are the, you know, the rebel forces that kind of come in and they say, no, you're, you're spies. You're all spies. You're, you're not, you know, you're not good mm-hmm. people. And it's like, uh, you know, they can't, you know, they can't prove anything and then they just kill them they just they kill these civilians they kill these townspeople because they don't trust them because they're not Uh pledging allegiance to them fully yeah and and there's a civil war going on and when it's countrymen against countrymen who who do you know is an enemy or not yeah and that's That's, kind of what they're yeah because it's the ndf and the nrc uh nrc is kind of the commandant's army yeah Um, well he's just one cog in a bigger Oh yeah, I I really enjoyed when you got to see his boss. The right. um he had a name. I'm never gonna find it as I the scroll commander? through this list. Was it no? It was the general? Well, and the funny thing was, he's the money guy. Yeah, it's not even like he's he doesn't even um supreme commander Dada Goodblood. Yeah, yeah, he he he's he's not on the front line like the commandant. No, he's he's he, in a suit. He's he's in a nice you know, palatial estate. When they yeah. go to visit him, it's like an actual rest from the war. They're, they it's are the safe first, there and they all It's the first nap. time they're ever not in the forest killing people. Yeah. It's a, it's a really nice couch and like people are getting them water and food and taking care of them. And it's just so strange. It's just such a, a difference. And then it's, um, the commandant wants to keep going, wants to keep fighting, wants to lead these children into war. And the Supreme Commander is just like, nah, we're, um, you know, relax a little <laughs> yeah we're, we're getting what we want and yeah and we're gonna do this without fighting anymore and yeah it kind of and um so but i don't want to lose the thread of of agu as he kind of rises through the ranks of yeah. of what's going on here because when he joins i mean when he's forced to join more or less it's kind of this weird thing where the commandant appeals to him as like a kind figure mm-hmm. he says like these we're going to go after the people who killed your family we're going to go get them they're the ones that we want. And it's as true as that might be, it's so screwed up. Like that's just, yep. just a, and, and you know, to, to, and that's how you get children to join. And then he, and then he breaks them. He, you know, he's like, you know, he keeps making him say, sir, he, you know, it, it does all this crazy, cruel stuff. And then when they finally get to a fight, he's not given a gun. They have to earn guns. Right. Isn't that the kind of the, what yeah, goes on he's there? Just, he carries someone else's ammunition. He just has ammo. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end of that fight, when they, they've taken the, you know, the, um, they want supplies and, and the, the cars there, there's, you know, a couple of people there that they're interrogating. And then the commandant gives a big machete to, to, uh, Agu. And he says, and, an, and another boy. Yeah. And he says, now kill him, just split his head right in two. And he's like, you know, you have to do this to keep going with this army. Either we, you kill him or we kill you. And also, you know, you know, to to give him the nerve to kill this guy, he says, "This is this is the guy who killed your parents. This is the guy who killed your dad, who killed, you know, your brother. Yeah, this is what you're going even, after." He's not even saying like this is the exact guy. But no, these are the people. Yeah, this is the face of the enemy. Yeah, and he does it. I mean, he does it because what else is he going to do? 
pays no other choice. Yeah, it's so screwed up. Wow. And when they, like, in that moment, in that scene, uh, and then him and the other kid just let loose on this guy, it's just so terrifying. It's just so, it's chilling. It's, it's, Doesn't the music drop out? I think so. It just I gets. Feel like, I feel like the scene goes silent and all you can see is just the movement of and their arms. It's not quite slow mo, but it's slower. Yeah. It's, it's, you're, just, you're just watching them. It's real screwed it up. Again and again. Like it goes on longer than. I mean, this movie did a class A job of making me feel uncomfortable a lot. Yeah, and, and it's, it is kind of long. Yeah. Yeah, but that that scene itself was also long. Uh-huh. Like they just keep going, and I'm just like, whoa. Yeah, and so Agu, he kind of rises through the ranks in such a way where you see him making choices that he doesn't have a choice in. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really, I mean, you kind of, I, th- I mean, this was on purpose, where you kind of go back and forth on whether or not the commandant is truly a bad person, in a sense. Yes. They, they make you see that he can be good. Right, where yeah. he doesn't treat his men poorly. Yeah, it seems like at the beginning. Yeah, he's he's just a commander in an army, and while his the majority of his soldiers are children, he's not. He doesn't seem like an evil person. Yeah, at the at the start. Oh, what's his friend's name? Agu has a friend who doesn't speak. Oh yeah. Oh, he was good too. Was that yeah, he was real good? Oh jeez, I'm trying to look through all the character names. I'm sorry. Was that Strika? Or was that another that, character? I think Stryker might have been the guy he was carrying the ammo for in the beginning. Or D- DK? Is that his brother? Let me look. I'm looking through all these names. There's <laughs> so many names that it's just hard to... Yeah. It's not Bernard. It's not Rambo. Tripod? Because 2IC, I remember very distinctly, because I was like, how did he get that name? And then it made sense to me, finally, at the end. Do, did you know what 2IC means? Yeah, yeah. Second in command. Yep. That's, and that's so great. I think that's like a crazy, great, good nickname. Yeah, I don't, I'm not getting the name on what this kid, the, his friend was. But he had a friend who didn't speak, and he had like a really, he also had a sad backstory that we kind of got later, and then... Uh-huh. Uh, it's like a whole thing. Oh my god, this movie is like really heavy. It's tragic. Uh, and then I think what really cemented that the commandant is the you know a horrible person. Uh, uh, which, huh? I don't know. I really. I mean, we're going to talk about it in a second, but like, I really could have done without that. Oh yeah. Like, like I would have rather it been ambiguous all the way until the point he turns on the supreme commander. Um, and just kind of does his own thing and keeps killing uh-huh. on his own. Uh-huh. Like that, I wish that have been would have been the turn for me where it's like, no, this guy's lost it. This guy's, this guy had a good intentions, but now he's so caught up in the war and what he's been doing. And because when people do stuff like this, they they have to come to some. I mean, unless they're a psychopath, uh-huh. they have to come to some realization of like, I'm doing this for the right reasons, and yeah. what I'm doing is important and warranted, and all of the bad things I'm doing are are worth something because if I do these bad things, then other people won't have to do them. Yeah. I, I think I get what you're saying. Um, but I think even by the time he turns on the Supreme commander, you kind of see that he it's, it's out of paranoia. It's out of, he, he, he's afraid that his power is going. And so there's a paranoia there that, that leads him and he's, he's not really following. That's that's more of a, I like that because it's more of an evolution to me. Uh-huh. Whereas we get to the scene that you're about to talk about, yeah. and it's like, no, this guy's 
one of the most horrible be- human beings on the planet. Yeah, and and I think this scene was done in such a way where it was so subtle, if I recall correctly, and uh, I don't know if this is the same for you. I mean, I, I don't think you did what I did. I literally had to rewind and go, did I just see what I just fucking saw? It, <laughs> see, I, I got a hint at it earlier. Yeah. When he's in the base camp at the very beginning, and and they first get to the base camp, and they, they see all the other soldiers, and they're camping. There's a scene where he goes into a hut with another kid, and Agu watches it from far away. Oh, wow. I, I really don't remember that at all. Yeah. So it hints at it earlier on. And I watched that happen. I watched the kid going first with his head down and uh, the commandant going second and like other people guarding outside the, the hut. And I see Agu like watching it from far away. And there's this like foreboding feeling like there's nothing in the music or the soundtrack. Yeah. But I'm just like, oh, no, is he going to be a child molester? Yeah. Is this, are they going to do that? Because yeah. it's just I don't know. I understand it for the story. I wish it didn't go that hard yeah and uh, this is already a horrible situation yeah and it's i think i mean like agu's reaction afterwards is so like powerful yes and then uh, his his buddy you can tell his buddy is like yeah i i know it happens a lot like it's even with without words he's just like this is how it is, and it's just like, yeah, that. That so actor does up. such. That kid does such a great job. That child actor does such a great job because mm-hmm. he, he's not like we get narration from a goo, which I really enjoyed actually. I don't really like narration mm-hmm. in films usually, um, but it's very well done. But his his friend that he makes uh, portrays so much with just his his face and his emotions yeah. and his mannerisms. And that scene in particular, like, yes, we get a really strong reaction from a goo. We wouldn't have got that without that uh, scene, that preceding scene. But it's, it's just so sad, his friend's reaction, because it's so clear that this is just the thing that happens. Yeah. And then, uh, so he, so the Supreme Commander tells, you know, tells the Commandant to, you know, step down a little, let it go. And um, I think there's also an implication that 2IC is going to take over. Right. Yeah, because because what he, I mean, I don't know if you remember exactly what happens, but he sits the com- commandant down and says, "I'm going to make you a part of my cabinet." Oh, right, right, become, right, right. I'm going to become a politician. Uh-huh. You're not going to be the general, which yeah. is what you wanted to be this whole time. Uh-huh. Is it Bernard? Is his friend's name Bernard? We're not. I I'm, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, I'm still looking at this freaking list. Uh, and he says you're going to. Put up your guns. 2IC is going to become the new commandant, yeah. and you're going to be a part. I think he said he was he was even going to be like Secretary of Defense or something, like uh, like the highest order. So it's technically, if you think about the way governments are designed, like that's above general. You oh, yeah. I mean? that's, He's getting a huge uh, upgrade. Right. But <laughs> commandant does not want that in a big way. Yeah. Like he, I mean, doesn't, I mean, the next scene's intense, doesn't he? Yeah, they go to the brothel. Yep. Yeah. No, this th- that brothel scene I thought was crazy because um, so it almost like there's almost a turn where because the 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 madam of this brothel she won't let the the youngest children you know go off with the with the hookers, um, which you know at first the commandant is like really like mad about, but he kind of he's like all right, all right, all right. And then I thought, like, oh my god, like 
we're going to see Agu make a full turn and like rape a girl. Like this is going to get real dark. Like because at this point you're watching his downward spiral. Yeah, but then it takes a complete turn where um, two IC gets shot. And I saw I saw that coming. Oh, I did not see that coming at all. And the crazy thing is that then that's where Commandant says that this is what the command, the Supreme Commander like doesn't understand or this is what he wanted or something. But it's very clearly like the the Commandant killed 2IC. Oh, yeah, 100%. 2IC even looks at him and says, you did this. Yeah, it's so clear. And, um, and whether or not it was, you know, an accident or whatever, like w- whatever they're trying to claim happened, like he probably like bribed the, the hooker to, to shoot him. 100%. Like, that's it's, what I got. It's insane. That. It's absolutely insane. And, and then uh, he could use that as a story to tell the rest of his men that uh, this was an attempt on his life. Yeah, yeah. And that 2IC, like, saved his life. Yeah. And, look, we've been betrayed. We need to do our own thing. Yeah, and we, need, we need to keep fighting. We yeah, need to fight wow. harder. Yeah, it's... That's really crazy. Um... Sorry, I'm looking at the trivia right now to try and help us figure out what this character's name is, but it, it's not helping me at all. Yeah, no, it's not there. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, and then from there, it's just kind of like, um, the. I think Agu goes through this, you know, he goes through all this shit and, and uh, he comes out, he's still kind of able to come out okay. Well, I mean, we didn't even get to the point where he watched his friend die. Yeah, he watches his friend die. That's that's a turning point for him. He's he's raised through the ranks. He's now a part of his of the commandant's elite guard. Yeah, and their army because they don't have the backing anymore, the financial backing, they're just pillaging and trying to get money that way. And eventually, they take over a territory where they're trying to find gold and diamonds, mm. and everyone's starving. And it leads to a pretty powerful scene where. There's a mutiny, and all of the soldiers kind of together say, we're leaving. And I don't know. I, f- I found that to be a powerful scene. Yeah, uh, especially when, I mean, Agu is, seems ready to shoot b- first the, you know, the, the mutiny soldiers and then uh, the commandant. And, and that's where I feel like that's, that's where I see that he hasn't been completely changed, that no. he still has humanity left. Because mm-hmm. if the Commandant had succeeded in stripping away his humanity and making him a soldier and making him this mindless killer, he would have killed the Commandant and in a, in a the Commandant would have won at that point. Yep. You know what I mean? Would yep. have, he would have become what the Commandant wanted him to be. And, you know, that would have created a new cycle of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of, kind of recreating this again in another generation and like him him giving mercy i feel like that's that's where i knew that like no he's still kept some shred of humanity Mm -hmm. um okay thank you imdb trivia or not imdb trivia imdb quotes striker is the name of the silent friend oh striker okay Because there's there's a great set of quotes here where it's just Agu. It's like lines from Agu and then s- the stage directions of Stryka. So it's like Agu, when he gets the clothes from Stryka, it says, you got this stuff from where? Stryka points. From dead bodies? Stryka nods. <laughs> yeah, it's Stryka. Yeah. Um, 
yeah and then the the kind of the ending is um you know it's similar in a way to kind of like anyone who's gone through war and also um I'm also going to lump in like a Clockwork Orange and uh, what's that one? Goodfellas in there. Yeah, just uh, where just it's after you, tragic. Events. Yeah, after you've gone through all that and you try and go to something that's not that, something that's I mean, dare I say, normal or at least not war-based lifestyle, you, it's so hard to adjust. Yeah, I mean, I mean, films which obviously aren't the same subject matter, but stuff like Hurt Locker. And oh yeah, Jar-Hood. yeah. 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 Definitely deal with the fact that like war changes people. Mm-hmm. It changes what they want from life and how they see it and what affects them and what's important and uh-huh. like their attitude. Like it totally changes people. And he comes out on the other side totally different. Mm-hmm. And trying trying he he gets saved by I think the EDF or whatever and taken to this little camp. Yeah. Where it's it's a group of social workers, I guess, maybe psychologists that are trying to help these children find their childhood again in a way, I guess, and also mm. kind of lead them back to having a normal life yeah. and, and socializing with children as children. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, essentially these, these kids, they had their childhood taken away. Mm-hmm. And now this is Along the best... Along with everything else. The best Their effort. Innocence. Yeah, the Their best... Was- yeah, yeah, the innocence. The loss of innocence, that's a, that's a huge you know, thing in this film. Uh, and and these poor people who have to try and rehabilitate them in a sense, you know, are trying to give it back to them, and it's just and you, you can't replace this. It's broken. And you can tell that at first when he's in that camp, he's just he just can't he can't he can't connect with people anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't recall. Is it like he thinks his mother is still out there, or does he know the for sure that she's dead? He doesn't know. Yeah, I don't think like there's. He, there's any, he's, yeah. He's hoping that she's still alive, but he's so painfully like, because up to this point he was just a child in a village, and he heard how horrible the war is and how it affects people and how villages are just. Well, and his wasn't his dad a professor or? Yeah, his his dad was a teacher. His dad was some kind of scholar, yeah, a teacher. And he was the only teacher in in the village because he had a college education. Yeah, and so it was and, the kind of thing where Agu was always going to be uh, in kind of a higher. Uh, like caste system, like a kind of a yeah, because a, he would have been smarter. Yeah, where even though they seem to live, you know, in a, they don't live in the greatest of places, but it's still like it's a house. It's still a place for them, and it's mm-hmm. it's fairly nice for the village that they're in. And then through through his journey, not only does he really see how horrible the war is and how it just completely destroys places, but he participates in it. Like he, oh yeah, he. He he becomes the force that destroys families and cities. I just and I think that's why he doesn't know if she's alive, uh-huh. but he's prepared for her not to be. I was gonna say I just remembered um, that scene where they're attacking the, a village, and he uh, goes. Do you want to talk about that? That's really rough. Yeah, he goes in and he's like, "Mother, mother." He thinks that's his mom, and yeah. it's this woman like holding some children, and she's like, "I don't know who you are." And then he completely turns. He's like, "No, you're not my mother. You're a you're like a witch woman or something." He he just thinks that he just has a complete turn, and it's like terrifying. Because this isn't when he's fully he's not in the guard yet. This is kind of earlier on. Yeah, it's after he's gotten a gun, 
but he's pillaging with everyone else. And, and he still and, kind of has this idea that like maybe maybe he'll find his mother, maybe he'll be okay. Yeah. He still has hope at this point, and that's yeah. kind of when it starts to break for him. Yeah. No, I think um, regardless of, I mean, I'm not going to say this is like the greatest film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pretty good film. There's a lot of really powerful stuff going on here. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really memorable stuff. I think for the having mostly child actors and being in, I'd I'd say most of it's in a, a language that we do not speak. Right. Uh, they do speak some English, but not. I I I really feel like it's mostly subtitles, is what my memory says. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's some really good performances. Yeah, I think I think as a film, it's incredible. I mean, the cinematography's. Uh, equal parts gorgeous sometimes, but also does uh, the job of showing how horrific that part of the world it can get because of what's happening there. Um, but the the script is really good. Um, Agu's introspective thoughts, his narration, which could have been bad and taken away from the film, uh-huh. I feel really, really bring something to it and give you another side um, because you realize that he can't talk about his feelings with anyone, so it's just him talking about his feelings to the audience. Um, and it's it's moving. It's 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 horrific to watch. Like I feel weird suggesting people watch it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's 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 a film that I'm glad I watched but I never want to watch it again. Yeah, yeah. Ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really affecting. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's tough to watch at times, but uh, if you... I don't know. We see a lot of stuff on TV. You were talking about uh, Kone earlier or whatever. Like, we're so far removed from things that are happening over there. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if people are going to have an opinion on top that type of stuff, they should watch a movie like this. Yeah. Or they should actually know what's going on. I agree. I I know it's, it's hard to know what's actually going on, but I mean, I think in the sense of this film was based on a book written by uh, someone who obviously cared about these events and Mm -hmm. wanted to portray them. Even if it wasn't uh, based fully on truth, it was, I mean, it's a novel. It's not. You it know. doesn't. It doesn't talk about like the particular war. It doesn't talk about a particular time. It doesn't yeah. talk about the the name of the country. Yeah. This is not. This is not about a specific thing in a specific place at a specific time. But I feel like it does. Yeah, it is a generalization of what is going on. I'm gonna say, or has happened in the very recent past. Yeah, it's truth in that this is happening. Yeah. This may not be. This may not be the story of a particular person. Mm-hmm. But this is happening to people. Yeah. Yeah. And people should be aware of it. Yeah. And not just something they see in a commercial or on CNN one night or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This this kind of brings it to your face and shows you the terrible truth of it. And I think that's important. Yep. Uh, All right. So I think we'll just uh, wrap up this review. Uh, If you have Netflix, it's there right now. And it it will be there forever. Because they made it. They made it. Uh, you know, it'd be really exciting if they if they get the uh, get any kind of Oscar or awards love for this film. I I really feel like it should be at least nominated because yeah. Um, well, Idris Elba gives a very strong performance. I think he's incredible. Yeah, he is. 
because as, as we said it's it definitely plays with the whole idea of you know what kind of person is this mm-hmm. you know he's not necessarily like is he you know can he convince you know he's convincing as perhaps sometimes not being evil as being he's, an actual kind of a force for a a good not the good mm-hmm. but you know a kind of good and then and then of course there's a full turnaround yeah but yeah it's um because i mean i also feel like to start to change the narrative a little uh-huh. bit but like they're doing such an amazing job with their original content for their shows oh my goodness i on my on my roku the netflix just updated the app updated and now they have a categories section and uh-huh. they have a whole category of their originals which is can i make a can i make a suggestion uh-huh. something you probably i may have said it to you before in the past but definitely people are not talking about right now is their series on marco polo yeah, you you love that Marco Polo series. Um, because it's one of their first original shows. Uh-huh. And it was back before people were like, whoa, Netflix knows their stuff. And no, I, I think, think um, I think even pe- people aren't really talking about Narcos. And I've heard such good things about Narcos. That is amazing. I yeah. watched the first episode and I'm going to finish it, definitely. Mm-hmm. I just got wrapped up in the Jessica Jones, which, sorry, put the timestamp on this on this. <laughs> when we're recording this but uh well there's already like a weird timestamp in the sense that like we didn't record this as, like very soon after we watched it so we kind of um, we remember the film but not all the details and not all the yeah. names yes that's yeah we uh, should do that and <laughs> so we should much. record always right after we watch it so we don't get this again yeah but um but yeah i think i think if if this is if this is the type of quality uh-huh. of film not 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 even talking about the subject matter. If this is the work that they're going to bring forth, uh, it's matching the quality of what they're doing with their TV shows. Oh yeah, because Netflix. It wasn't like they bought this movie. It was they f- they were there from the beginning on this movie. Yeah, which is really cool. I thought it was really cool when HBO started doing stuff like this. Uh, I mean, they've been doing stuff like this for a while, but they've really pushed hard into it because original and they content started making better programming yeah original I mean, content is really something that you know these different providers have realized oh this is what we can offer that others absolutely cannot yes it's not just oh we have the rights to this movie because yeah. now movies are everywhere yeah you know what i mean if you want to watch a movie you've got several sources yeah because as soon as amazon and itunes and stuff like that showed up and said no you can rent a movie anywhere you want that really took the steam out of places like hbo and um I think I think this is a good turn, and after after this, anything Netflix does, I'm there. Uh-huh. I'm I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, Netflix. So. Thanks thanks for being a good provider of things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I think as we've as we've said here, coming wrapping up this review, um, it's a hard film to watch. Stuff. Uh, but it is uh, you know it is uh, in a sense important. Um, and I think so, yeah. I think there's good performances all throughout, and a and a really uh, uh, an interesting story. I agree. All right, so that's it for our review of Beasts of No Nation.
not built for this. These boys come in here, they gotta fight for life. People die in the ring. Your daddy died in the ring. I don't know him. I ain't got nothing to do with me. I've been fighting my whole life. It's not a choice for me. Every punch I ever thrown has been on my own. Nobody showed me how to do this. I'm ready. Sick, sick, sick eyes from the nose pressure. Freshly slip, zip ties on the protesters. The six wives in the fry of a moan. Whether that a medic can be our bar, I'm the old desert. Dirty needles breaking all the old records. A hundred holes run shovelless old treasure. Old seat used teeth as a gold test. The finger rolls, finger waves, bouncing from the old levels. This picture's from the 10th round of the first fight, right? I heard about a third fight between you and Apollo. Behind closed doors. Is that true? How do you know all this? I'm a son. A great fighter once said, it ain't about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. This guy here, that's the toughest opponent you're ever going to have to face. I believe that's true in the ring, and I think that's true in life. Now show me something. Tell me about Creed, Andrew. Oh, well, it is a film uh, directed by Ryan Coogler. Ooh, who, uh, has this guy done anything else Yes, he's actually done, he did a Fruitvale Station. Ooh. And uh, the current rumor that I heard is that he's going to, he's in the running for Black Panther. Oh, nice. Bla- directing Bra- Black Panther. Uh, and in Fruitvale Station, he also directed Michael B. Jordan, who is the star of Creed. Yep. Who plays, uh, I believe they call him Adonis Johnson for a bit of the film. Right, right. Is, for the majority of it. Because mm-hmm. he takes on his, uh, I think it's biological mother's name. Yes, he does. Uh, but yeah, it's a, this is a kind of a, like, who would have thunk it, a follow-up to Rocky in right. the strangest way possible, The perhaps. weird, I, I don't think anyone could have predicted this. No, uh, I think when they made Rocky all those years ago, they didn't think, oh yeah, we're, eventually we're going to tell the story of Apollo's <laughs> Apollo son. Creed's oh, son. Oh man. Uh, yeah, so for those of you who don't know what Creed is, it is a, uh, a film about boxing. Boxing. It's it's somehow a Rocky sequel, right? Uh, it is, and also in a in its own way, it's 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 a whole new animal, right? Uh, this film could, you know, the, the way that it on ends. Its own. Uh, I mean, Rocky could stop being in them, and it could just be Michael B. Jordan, right? It kind of passes on the torch by yeah. the end of it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's essentially the the son of Apollo Creed uh, from the Rocky films, mm-hmm. uh, taking on his own, you know, boxing passion, right? That's, I mean. Really, that's a really basic way of looking at this film, uh, but it gets kind of crazy. I kind of like where it goes, t- all the turns it takes, right? Um, especially, uh, I mean, I don't know where you want to start, but I kind of want to make sure that we talk about. Um, I don't remember her character's name, but the actress was Tessa Thompson. Uh, Bianca. Bianca. Uh, she. Um, I mean, it's it's not that she has like a lot of plot on her own, mm-hmm. but it's interesting that. Um, 
she's a neighbor of uh, of Adonis, the, down, the of downstairs Donnie. neighbor. Yeah, yeah, and um, they, you know, they 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 get together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in the trailer. Come on, yeah. And uh, but she a has lots in the trailer. By the way, this is again one of those trailers where I'm like. Just tell us the whole movie. Well, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of, a sports story is typically like, you know what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, there's a series of things. There's a history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really enjoyed that she had a lot of her own problems. She had a lot of her own passions. It was, it was she was a very separate character. She wasn't really leaning on him for anything. It was... She wasn't dependent. She was no, her own character. She, she likes, you know, making music and singing. Mm-hmm. And yet it's, you know, she's losing her hearing. Like that's... Yeah progressively like it's going to be gone eventually that's really you know heartbreaking and it's kind of uh, an interesting parallel to the whole boxing phenomenon where you know eventually it'll yeah one, it'll when you're a you. boxer you know uh, what was it i think rocky at one point says like time time is undefeated mm-hmm. you know eventually it, it takes all of us when did rocky become like a zen master yeah. by the way he got real real miyagi up in there yeah <laughs> well i think after he lost. He lost a lot of people in his life. Yes, uh, I thought. I thought it was even going to go thing. so far of him like losing his son. Mm, I thought it was going to get that heartbreaking. No, shut up! But no, he just moved. Never to Vancouver. speak ill of Mila Ventimiglia. Oh man, he, I thought it was going to go there. I loved though that um, for everything that like the audience might have had questions about about you know the history of Rocky and what's you know, happened Rocky Balboa, since the what's, last movie. Yeah, what's not just the last movie, but like updating you for everyone. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, this person died. Oh, this person died that way. And he's like, oh, my son, he lives in Vancouver. Like everyone was asking questions about his past and you were mm-hmm. kind of getting filled in, even if you already knew, because I don't yeah. know who who died when, because I've only seen the first Rocky. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's that's my life. You didn't watch them all as, as homework for this? I should have because... I don't I'm, think I have either. I'm kind of... But I've only seen the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you... I think, I think everyone has seen the first. I think... Well, it's a rite of passage and the, in this nation. The kind of crazy one is that this one, in a sense, follows the same structure. Right. Um, and I kind of enjoy that. That's, that's satisfying. It feels... You feel at home with, with how it's done. Because it, mm. it, it mirrors the first movie so well while being its own beast, mm-hmm. in a way. I think it's also weird, um, in a sense, <clears throat> Excuse me, how long it takes this movie to get to a point where you kind of understand what uh, Adonis wants. It takes all the way until... I think he has to meet Rocky first, and then you figure out kind of what he wants. There's a good section where he... You're just kind of following him. He's just kind of living his life, Mm -hmm. and you're seeing... Making mistakes, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have a perfect journey at all. He's, you know, he definitely falters, but he, he meets Rocky, but you don't even really get his full motivation until the beginning of the last fight. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because really he, he makes a confession, and I don't even want to say what it is, hmm. but he says something to Rocky about like proving himself, and he and the says, crazy thing "I is don't want to be." It. Yeah, he says, yeah. "I don't want to be this." Mm-hmm. He says one word, and it just encapsulates why he's been training so hard, why he's been fighting so hard, mm-hmm. because of his relationship with his father and his whole situation when he was a child, and his relationship to his adoptive mom, which is like really telling about her as a person mm-hmm. and really touching and sad. And I didn't expect to have so many emotional touchstones in this film. Like mm. there's a there's a bunch of parts where I was like, oh man, <laughs> I'm glad I brought extra napkins. Uh, yeah, it was it is an emotional journey. Yeah, I did find some things where like. 
I don't want to say silly, mm-hmm. but like because of the, how it follows so perfectly the um, sports, you know, underdog tropes. Right. And I was like, okay, I get it. Let's, you know, let's keep moving. I know we're watching a movie. <laughs> uh-huh. And then, of course, there's the interlude where we watch Skyfall for 30 seconds. Yeah, I was like, whoa, I like that movie. And uh, they all yeah. eat a bunch of ice cream. <laughs> it's, you know, uh, this is quite a film. Oh, I wanted to talk about, um, everyone's talked about it already on the internet, but let's appreciate that fight, uh, the boxing match, which is done with one, seemingly one take. Uh, I believe they hide the cuts. For the last fight? The, no, the second. I believe it's the first or second fight. I don't. I don't remember. Are you talking about fights. the one in Juarez or the one in? No, no, no. The, the, one, the one against he does with Leo Spirino. Yeah, Leo. Leo. Yeah, where yeah, the camera just one. kind of moves all around that, that ring that, without without cuts. That essentially. is an incredible. I mean, I have that here. Uh, I love that frantic boxing scenes. Like all of them. It's interesting because the first fight scene in Juarez, the one against Leo, and mm-hmm. then the one at the end of the film with Conley, uh, they're all shot different. Mm-hmm, they all mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. different styles to them and the way they highlight the action and stuff but if that second fight with leo if fight scenes boxing or otherwise were shot that way as it became kind of our western style because mm-hmm. for the long time uh and i think michael bay is at fault with this uh the quick cuts to add emphasis have been taking away from action scenes yeah. for the last geez 20 years or more and um our eastern uh Eastern um, filmmakers have been have kept more of a wider shot to allow the audience to see action, but this is almost a strange melding of the two because the camera never cuts; it just moves. So you you never lose sight of what's happening, but it still is phonetic, mm-hmm. and it's constantly moving into interesting positions, but doesn't doesn't do it in a way that messes you up or makes I, you lose sight of what's happening. Let me let me ask you this: So you went to a nice theater. To yes. see this in mm-hmm. this oh i had the worst people in the oh in well the no, no no this is about sound design oh which this i was this will make me i would encourage people to see this in a theater unless you have a, like a really good sound system uh-huh. because they in that scene they make full use of surround sound yeah where based on how the camera is facing if you're looking you at creed or if you're punch. looking at not just the punch but people behind whoever you're you're looking at yeah. shouting instructions. Yeah, the people and in the corners. Crazy the coaches in the corners. People in the corners. Sometimes they'd be behind, behind you, you and then to your and side. They, they make full use of it surround sound and I was like that's insane. I love it. It made you feel like you were in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it, it kind of did that in the first scene because it, uh, in the very first scene uh, there is fight in Juarez. It follows him out of the uh, his little locker room that he's in mm-hmm. and follows him up into the, the, the area where the fight is, and then the camera slides behind a group of people, mm-hmm. and they're, they're kind of silhouetting the picture, mm-hmm. and it, you feel like you're in that room, and it just takes that next step into the, into the Leo fight, and it becomes incredible. I mean, I had never seen anything shot like that before, and if, if other people can take note of this mm-hmm. and emulate it for any, any action scenes, I think it would be... Change, it would change everything. And I, and I think, of course, the third uh, fight against uh, was a pretty boy, someone, pretty, pretty Ricky, pretty Ricky Conley. Um, excuse me. He um, that shot, of course, like a you know, like a televised fight yeah. where you see it kind of from the televised angle. Yeah, it was. It there was, was even to the point where I'm pretty sure um, there's a wide shot where you can see a cameraman in the ring, and they're not hiding it because. Uh-huh. 
why not? Because there would be a yeah, because there would be a camera at that point room. early yeah. in the early in the you know. And one of the, the wide starts. shots even has like HBO Sports yeah. on the bottom yeah. of it, and you're like, oh, of course. And we see the commentators a couple of times, mm-hmm. but and of course, so we see the live reactions of everyone at home watching. Mm-hmm. There, everyone. I mean, it's it's what his his the, mother, the important people, his mother and someone else. I can't yeah. remember how many, but because a lot, you know, the, all the big players are at the match, right in Liverpool. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, that was, that was that was more of a the way we've seen boxing shot mm-hmm. before, but but I kind of like that. There's, you're fight. saying there's three fights and they're all shot differently, right? And of course, the third one's like the big you know match, but the second one is so unique. And, it's just and beautiful. interesting, yeah. And I haven't seen anything like that before, and it must have been like hard to do. But man, if people take the extra effort in trying to emulate this and other stuff, mm-hmm. I think it could really make things better for mm-hmm. action cinema in general. Yeah. So I hope more people people who make movies see this because mm-hmm. that was just awesome. Uh, so what'd you think of Sylvester Stallone? I thought he was great. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely, I mean, I have here that the writing and the acting were really good and I didn't expect him to bring such a strong performance, but he, man, it, it felt like he was going through stuff. It was a huge bummer when he goes to the, the cemetery and has a seat. Yeah, and he's got like a chair hidden there yeah. for himself, and he—that's just a part of his routine. He goes there and he so leaves some alcohol for his buddy uh-huh. and and Rose for his dead wife, and mm-hmm. sits down and talks about what's happening in the world with them. Yeah, that's 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 that gets you. Yeah, that really does. Um, yeah, man, I don't even know. He does a great job. Yeah, it really felt. I felt for him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be, cause I, I mean, again, as with the trailer, you know, you see that he's going through stuff that he's sick, mm-hmm. but man, it does a good job of hitting you with it in the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what to say. Like he, like he's so effective. Like it's, it's to a point where you get an aging actor mm-hmm. and they can take on like the weight of, you know, yes, I have played this character for all these years and this character is aged. Because this, because the actor is age two, so yeah, they, they know... They're not playing it like... I mean, I, this is kind of a... Not a great comparison, but they're not playing it like Bruce Willis in Die Hard. Yeah. Where he's gotten older in the sense that he's gotten, like, crankier. It's just... And it's like a cartoon, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> but it's just intense because you see... Um, not even intense, but kind of shocking because this is the guy that's in Expendables yeah. 14 or whatever the hell we're up to now. And, you know, being a dork with a bunch of other action stars. Mm-hmm. And then you see him just breaking down, you know, and spoiler here, but like willing to not undergo cancer treatment because he's ready to die. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Yeah. And it's believable. You can see it yeah. in his face. Yeah. Like, he, just, and I mean, when done. he's telling the, the doctor lady, which is like, he's so headstrong. He's mm-hmm. so like, doesn't want to hear anything. Yep. And he's, he's like, just right, saying like, good. I saw, I saw this happen to my wife. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, geez. Yeah, he like, saw what she went through, and it is oh, it is terrifying. What I mean, crazy. I hope people who listen to our show have seen Fifty Fifty. Like, mm. what you go through Mm-mm. with cancer treatment is horrifying. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It's 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 terrible for everyone involved. The people taking help take care of the person, or the person undergoing treatment. Mm-hmm. It's tough, and he 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 did that for his wife, and she still died. So. To have to be to go through that and then to understand like oh I'm gonna have to go through that too, yep. And he feels like he doesn't have anyone to help him get through it. Mm-hmm. 
It's intense. Mm-hmm. This this stuff. The, I didn't expect the movie to tackle stuff so uh, subtly. Like in a in a lesser movie, it would have knocked you over the head with it. But the acting goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like everyone did a good job in this. Um, I'm thinking about like the. Um, this is kind of now like a rocky universe, uh-huh. but it's it's it was also kind of funny to me how when Adonis uh, first went to uh, Philadelphia, uh-huh. right? He um, he sees the statue of Rocky, right? And it's kind of like I, you, that does exist in real life, yes, right? There is a yeah, statue of Rocky in Philly. Like they have, if we have melded real world and this fake world, it's so mm-hmm. crazy yeah. to me that that's that's something that they're able to pull off. Because wherever they go together, people are like, hey, what's up, Rocky? Yeah. Everyone knows Rocky. He's mm-hmm. like a big star. And then it's even kind of a weird plot point where uh, his girlfriend neighbor, when she finds out, like, you're Creed's son? <laughs> it's like, you well, didn't even tell me be- that. Even like, before that, well, yeah, that's when she gets mad at him. But yeah. before that, he's like, oh, this is my uncle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... And she's like, he's white. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I do like that he calls him Unc. That's mm-hmm. kind of a fun... That's a fun thing. Mm-hmm. Um but it's yeah, such an it's, interesting relationship that it is created between those two characters because mm-hmm. he is technically the guy who killed his dad. I thought it was the other guy. No, it was Apollo Creed. No, I mean the... Um, see, this is why we have not seen you, the Rocky I've seen, I've seen that one. I thought the Russian guy killed him. No, yeah, there was a bunch of fights. I thought the Russian guy was like the one that delivered the final blow. <laughs> Can I... Do we need to check this? Do you want to... Are we doing some, some research? What is that? Rocky Three. I four. think so. Oh, son of a- Who knows? Here we go. On air research. Rocky. Let's go with four. Let's try four. Everyone listening at home is like shouting. Yeah. You're wrong. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, here. Yeah. Rocky four. After Iron Man Drago, a highly intimidating six foot five, two sixty one pound Soviet athlete kills Apollo Creed in an exhibition match. Rocky mm. comes to the heart of Russia for 15 pile. That was the secret fight, right? No, no, no. No, no, no. Because remember in the movie, they say that because I think Rocky 3 is when um, uh, Rocky finally beats Apollo. Because Apollo beats him the first time. Yeah, he bites Rocky, him. With, he bites him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Rocky beats Words him in, a, in, in Rocky 3. And then in the fourth one, uh, Apollo goes and fights uh, Ivan Drago. And I don't think that one's televised. No, in Rocky 3. Uh, that's when, what's his name? The, the trainer dies. And so Mick Apollo has to train him in Rocky three and he fights Mr. T. I'm seeing Mr. T right here. Oh my goodness. So Rocky two, he beats Apollo. Rocky three, the trainer dies and Apollo trains him. Rocky four, Apollo gets killed by a Russian. So then the, the fight behind the uh, doors is like a, like not even a thing that people like, they just made that up for this movie. Hmm. That's why they're saying, because the thing is, like, I think that's a thing in, um, like, a, a weird boxing thing where it's like, okay, he beat Rocky, Rocky beat him. So who's so the then best? who's the best? Right. And then, of course, they get I it to I feel Apollo. like the third fight was against Ivan and no one knew about it. No, he's saying was there was Ivan a third, televised? Uh, it's, it says it's an exhibition match, so I don't know what that means. That means it's televised. We should have watched all of them. I'm yeah, sorry. I feel I feel bad now. I apologize to you, listener. That we didn't do all of our research. We should have done our research. I feel super bad. Um, but yeah, I feel like the movie does a pretty good job of like keeping you current with like what what matters and what doesn't matter in that sense. I don't think I'd find it believable if if Rocky's the one who even accidentally killed Apollo. And yeah, but everyone kind of acts like he did kill him though. In well, I feel film. like I don't know. I feel like maybe he just feels bad because he you know 
Apollo should be there. You know? What so I mean? it must have been that Rocky was there and he, he, because he says, I should have stopped the fight for your dad. So I think he was there when Ivan killed him. Mm. And he was like in his corner. Yeah, that makes and sense. And he should have thrown in the towel to help save it. So that's why he feels responsible because he should have stopped the fight. Mm-hmm. All right. And this has been figuring out what happened in previous Rocky <coughs> movies with Nerd's Eye View. Uh, was there any little other bits and pieces you want to talk about in this? Um, I was just surprised at a couple scenes uh, at how beautifully shot it was. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the music club was really cool when she oh, when he yeah, finds yeah, out that yeah. Bianca's singing. Mm-hmm. And just, wow, the sound design for that. And the soundtrack was pretty good mm-hmm. uh, for this movie. And it had like interesting remixes on the Rocky theme at a couple parts. Oh, of course, they bring that in. Right at the end. Yeah, but there was also, it brought it in when he was running down the street. Oh, yeah. He was yeah, mirroring him running down the street, and all of the bikers were following him. Just the slow mo for that, and the shot of him from behind when he's running as fast as he can, and the bikers coming up on either side of him, like doing wheelies and stuff. Mm-hmm. The slow motion of that, and the movement the, with the way it intertwined with the music, like that was strangely beautiful for being a ridiculous scene of him running down the street. Like, not in slow-mo, not shot, not cue to the music. That's just a dude running down the street with with dirt bikers on either side of him. Like, yeah. that's whatever. But the way it was shot was beautiful. And then that scene in the club where he first sees her singing and the way they use light there and the way the music is and her movements on stage and the way he kind of saddles into the crowd, like, that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I didn't expect something like that in this movie. Yeah. There's one very stylistic moment in the film that um, I don't think there's another one like it, uh, but I loved it. When, during that final fight mm-hmm. uh, against uh, Pretty Ricky, there's a moment, uh, I can't remember how far into the fight, but you get where all the lights on everyone else drops and yeah. it's just, you just see the two fighters and it's kind of like... And they become like it, silhouetted a little it's bit. It's kind of perfectly timed where it refocuses you and them you see that they they're both back in the fight 100 percent, and they're you know it's it's crazy it uses everything too because the audio kind of changes a little bit mm-hmm. to where uh because up to that point you've been hearing the crowd and you've yeah. been hearing the coach and you've seen bianca a couple times and his mom at home and it, you're kind of everywhere at once mm-hmm. and then it the focus comes in on them and uh, the sound for everything else drops and you're hearing the punches more and you're seeing more of the intensity and the light it's like they're silhouetted by spotlights mm-hmm. it was really cool yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good ideas in this <clears throat> also, as far okay. as filmmaking. Uh, now, did you think, I mean, I don't know boxing rules, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. so there's the part where um, in that final fight, Creed gets punched real hard. Oh, yeah, and his eye, his swells, eye up. swells up. Yeah, they're not supposed to let him keep fighting. And he's not supposed to keep fighting eye. if he can't see out of his eye. So then they sit him down. The guy holds up fingers and then they is tap it Rocky? On the back. Rocky's holding his neck? Who's no, that's the neck? stitcher. The stitcher, yeah. and he taps the number of fingers, mm-hmm. and so then he goes along with it, and he says it. Yeah, but the you see the ref though look at them like. Well, yeah, it's it's completely unbelievable that he can see out of his left eye. It's so swollen, mm-hmm. like it's crazy. Uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I almost kind of like that part because yeah. it's just it's it shows how it, it it's, an, he doesn't. I'm sure he doesn't think he's going to win at that point. No, as close as he does come mm-hmm. to winning. Um, he gets his win he, back. He doesn't want to stop. Mm-hmm. He wants to go all the rounds. He needs to prove himself. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. And of Man, course, the gets, shorts. He, he gets, gets the shorts. Up. That reveal of the shorts was pretty good. Yeah, that was real good. <laughs> Where they added Johnson to it on the back. On the yeah. yeah. I don't know what else to say. I think it's it's a good film. It's a really good. It's film. It's a really solid film. I, I heard good things. Uh, 
I really love that first trailer uh, because of the use of music uh, intertwined. With and the crazy the, the, reveal. Yeah, and the crazy reveal. <laughs> like That first trailer was real good. The other trailers weren't as good because um, they just kept telling me more and more about the plot. And I was like, please stop. Yeah. I, don't I, didn't know, I didn't need to know that Rocky was sick. Yeah, you don't need to do that. That yeah. would have been really interesting. That first trailer was enough where you see like, okay, he's a fighter. Okay, what's his yeah, deal? I don't and need to see Rocky that. Rocky steps out and he goes, how do you, how do you know all that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we don't need... Like that's crazy enough, yeah. But it, I heard good things, and and I don't know, and, I, really and I also good. I really uh, I think Michael B. Jordan has a good future in in films. I think he's a good actor. Yeah, he was really good at uh, this. I'm glad he was in this and that it was solid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of a bummer when like you get all the talent that was in Fantastic Four, and it's just like a wolf. Man, there was a lot of good actors in that movie. At least two that I. We'll, we'll continue watching with Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan. I mean, I They're really so like uh, the Mara. What, was it, it Kate, was Kate. Mara? Because mm-hmm. I really liked her in House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that movie was real bad. Mm-hmm. Real, real bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this one's real good. Yeah, this one's real good. So guys. definitely... I mean, we've spoiled a bunch of stuff. Uh, I've, I've left I mean, out a couple things. I think if you if you watch the film, watch. the filmmaking is good. That's and, the thing. And and the trailer. I mean, basically everything we talked about was in the trailers. Mm-hmm. I mean, we spoiled as much as the trailers. And seeing it is the important part because, mm-hmm. like like you just said, the filmmaking's top notch. There's really interesting ideas here. There's really beautiful stuff done. The sound design, everything is really good. As a movie, it's fantastic, and then it was enjoyable to watch too. And takes you on an emotional journey. There's some rough parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rocky, the way he looks by the end of this film is oh, ghastly. Yeah, like he is. Ta- it, he's it's taking a toll on him. Mm-hmm. Um, going through chemo and everything, it's just it's rough. So, so I'm, I'm we'll watch Creed too, right? Yeah, whatever yeah. They, whatever if they, they make that. a sequel, I'm definitely going to be there. I'm sure they are. There's no way they can't of course. at this point. It's, it's getting good reviews. It's making good money. Mm-hmm. They're going to make it. It's one. part of a property. Yup. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Brendan Creasy. And I'm Phil Vecchio. And we are the hosts of Radio Brendo Man on the Benview Network. We talk about all kinds of stuff on our podcast. Like what? Like toys and movies and video games and books and other stuff. Poo. Talk about poo? Definitely talk about poo. And you, if you, if that sounds cool to you, and we talk about it every week, go to radiobrendo.com or go to our page on benviewnetwork.com. And yeah, thanks a lot. Those were some reviews. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening to all that. Uh, let's give out some thanks. Uh, first of all, to uh, uh, Silent Partner, who does our theme song software, software makeout, makeout. Nice. which we got from the YouTube Audio Library. Go Very to youtube.com/audiolibrary cool. to yep. check that out. Uh, also, thanks to Justin Kizon. Uh, he did our logo, and you can find him at agentsofguard.com. It's nice. Agents of Guard. It's a website where you can read about uh, cool nerd things, movies, comics. They cover everything. Yeah, video that games, you care about. anime, even. Oh, my goodness. I don't even care about anime, so, but I see that they're writing about it. A nice little tangent. I just started uh, my Hulu subscription again. Mm hmm. Because they're the only places I can watch Cowboy Bebop mm. and One Punch Man. What about, I've heard, okay, I'm going to say a word to you, and I'm going to see if it means anything. Mm-hmm. Crunchyroll? I have a subscription to Crunchyroll, and they're fantastic. Okay. Like, if you, aside from the two, I mean, they, they, there's a couple they don't have, but they're, they have the majority of anime that you would want to watch. And they even bring over, like... Korean dramas and Chinese dramas okay. and Japanese dramas of just like live action soap operas and shit. Sure. Okay. Let's so keep if you on. care about that <laughs> stuff, 
Uh, also, what else? Oh, if you like uh, podcasts, if you like the TV show Community, Ooh. you should check out Shut Up Leonard, which is coming to a close real quick. Oh, no. uh, just a handful of episodes left in our you know proper you know show run, as you want to call it. Right. Uh, I'm not going to say it's going to be dead forever, but I'm going to say it's this is it. It just kind of blows my mind because there are very few podcasts. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most popular one was Serial, where there's an actual ending and there's well, a and reason for an ending. Even for Serial, they're just saying that's season one now. Right. They're just saying, whereas, like, oh, we're going to see Whereas two. with the show being over, mm-hmm. like you have an actual reason we to We have stop. a natural ending. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm not going to say that we're never going to do it again. I'm just going to say that we've done everything normal that progression. we can. <laughs> We're, we've done everything we can. Yeah. Um, so please check that out. Uh, shutupleonard.com. I'm pretty sure that's it. Yep. And uh, it's it's a good show. And you two do another podcast. Yeah, Matt Benson and gentleman. I, who do Shut Up Leonard, we also do another podcast called Pick Your Path. We write that with David King. Oh, yeah. uh, Pick Your Path is a choose-your-own-adventure-style enhanced podcast uh, where you, the listener, get to make choices as the story progresses. Uh, much like the old Choose Your Own Adventure books oh, I love those. that you loved as a child. Uh, you should check that out, benbeanetwork.com slash PYP. The first season of that is uh, done. Uh, those are all fully original audio stories for you to listen to. Second season will be coming sometime next year. Uh, check that out. Six episodes. Good stuff. Uh, what else do I promote? I don't even know. I do... I do. Um, Tom? Oh, if Tom was here, he'd tell you about optograb.org mm-hmm. and readwave.com, which I think readwave.com is closing. Oh, I, I think so, yeah. Recently. Uh, but still go to optograb.org right. uh, for his stuff. He does the uh, his Oscar prediction things. I like that a lot. Um, and he's, he's... He's a writer. He he's writes. putting stuff out on stories. Amazon mm-hmm. all the time. He's, he's prolific in his... Uh, how much he puts out. Uh-huh. And then I also, uh, I'm the entertainment editor for the Union Weekly, and I do their podcast. Go check that out, lbunion.com. Uh, and my Twitter is at Podcaster Andrew Jordan. My Twitter is at TrueValk, and I do a little bit of streaming over at uh, a website called Gamersaw Weekly. I'm a part of their stream team, as I like to put it. And uh, I like that stream team. Stream team. And uh, I, I handle Saturdays, and two games came out this past week, Just Cause 3 and uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X on the Wii U, and I had the choice of doing uh, one of those uh, this weekend, and I'm actually going to have an earlier stream, because I'm dog-sitting for a friend, Saturday night, uh, an adorable uh, doggy. Saturday night's all right for dog-sitting. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I will be streaming Xenoblade Chronicles X uh, about 1 p.m., on Saturday, and I'm doing that at twitch.tv backslash Weekly. So definitely follow them at GA Weekly on Twitter for any updates. And if you like any other video game news or streams, follow there and you'll get all the info. All right, so thanks for listening. This has been episode 253 of Nerds Eye View. I'm Andrew. I'm Jordan. And remember, listeners, if you meet a dude who says that he works for, uh, he works with the government, but not for the government, and is helping overthrow a local government with child soldiers, but is willing to train the son, uh, the long lost son of his best friend. Um, Be careful, because that is a recipe for disaster.
there's a Carl's Jr. and a and McDonald's close by, but those aren't really good options either. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have I've had the glory of Smash Burger now, so I don't really feel like eating subpar <laughs> burgers anymore. Yeah. Um, which we need to go eat at, by the way. There's a one at the Wyndham Park downtown. Oh, okay. um, we yeah, we should we should go there. Um, I'm trying to remember if I've even had Five Guys. Have I? Most people, if I have. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.